So I'd like to introduce today's Dhamma speaker, Ajahn Arigan Somwang Panyawudo. He's been a monk for 36 years now. He's the abbot of Wat Tasao Ti at the uh, Ganchanaburi province in Thailand, which is the 150th branch of Wat Nong Papong. And he came to Wat Mapchan 34 years ago and went to go be the abbot at that branch uh, 28 years ago, where he lives uh, up until now. So I'd like to invite uh, the Venerable Tanajan to give today's Dhamma talk. Go back up. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa namo tasa Bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa Homage to the blessed, the noble, the perfectly enlightened one. Homage to the Dhamma, homage to all the noble Sangha. We pay our respects to the Triple Gem. So the Lord Buddha taught that people go for refuge to mountains, to chedis, to forest glades and sacred sites and so on. But he taught that these are not a true refuge, not the highest refuge. If we use such things as our refuge, then one does not overcome suffering. So therefore we use the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha as our refuge, as our true refuge. And we practice to see the Four Noble Truths for ourselves. So I ask for the opportunity at this time from all of you gathered here from the Bhikkhu Sangha, from Venerable Lungparanan, Jau Kun, from Venerable Ajahn Somchai, from Jau Kun Achalo, from all the bhikkhus, from all the male and female laity in various places near and far. And we've come together in the Dhamma, and we're all family in the Dhamma. So I will speak in a way that is familiar, or with familiarity. Because we've all been born as humans, and we have many things that are similar. We all have a mother and a father. We all have a great teacher that teaches us. We all have had those to take care of us when we were young, when we were sick, to teach us how to eat, how to sleep, how to care for our lives so that we grow up well. And we have the chance to study in school, and later on the chance to study the Dhamma, have a Dhamma teacher. And, this, and our Dhamma teacher teaches us about good qualities, about mindfulness and wisdom, about how to use knowledge properly. We practice to follow these teachings in the way that's correct. 
we see that the greed and aversion of people, whether it's in Thailand or the greed and aversion in another location, the drawbacks are the same. Wherever it is that greed arises, it's hard to feel enoughness, it's hard to feel full. And when aversion, when dosa arises, it has the same drawbacks wherever one is in the world. It has the same danger, it burns the heart all the same. The heart receives that which is hot, the body and mind feel hot. And this is the nature of the kilesas, that they have this quality of heat in the heart. So in the beginning we seek a way to put out this fire, to put out this suffering, due to this greed and aversion that we experience. And so we meet with the Buddha's teachings, and this is a very good opportunity that we have this is a great wealth in our life that we have this opportunity. So we listen to the teachings of the Buddha and our faith grows more. We listen to the Buddha's teachings, we chant, and things that we haven't heard before, we hear, we hear new information. For instance, we learn that birth is suffering old age, sickness and death are suffering, separation from the loved is suffering, not getting what one desires is suffering, getting what one doesn't want is suffering. It's all these types of suffering, we seek a way to put them out. And if we don't have clear understanding, then we'll use the knowledge that we have to try to put out this fire but this knowledge is made of craving and attachment, and this knowledge brings us to birth again. But if we have clear knowing, if we don't have ignorance, then birth doesn't have the sufficient causes for it to arise. And so this is the destruction of the kilesas, the putting out of suffering, because it's putting out the cause of suffering. But if we don't understand this point, then we try to put out suffering itself because we don't want this dukkha, we don't want this suffering. But this dukkha, it's not our job to put it out. Our job is to know dukkha, to know suffering. The duty of our mind is to put out the cause of suffering because our mind is the one that builds and creates the causes for suffering. If we don't understand this, then we'll try to put out suffering, and this will merely create more suffering. So therefore we see that the Buddha knew the truth of reality and taught us not to create the causes for suffering. And one of the causes of suffering is to practice with desire. We can take the example of eating food. Usually we want tasty food, food that tastes good to us. If it's not delicious or not tasty, we don't want it. 
we feel like we need that which is delicious. So we act on this habit and it creates a strong habit in the mind to desire this. We feel that we have to have food that's tasty. This creates more desire, more aversion. And then we end up eating for the sake of taste, for the sake of beautification. So we practice to be mindful when we eat food. And particularly for the monastic sangha, this is something we have to contemplate. To contemplate the four requisites of food, lodgings, robes, and medicine. We have to seek the right way, the right livelihood as a monastic, not to disturb others or bother others as we try to gain these four requisites. And then after gaining the requisites, we contemplate them, contemplate their proper usage. For instance, food, we contemplate it so that drawbacks don't arise. We contemplate that we don't eat in order to get lost in the pleasure of eating. We don't eat for fun, but we eat to support the body, to reduce the painful feelings of hunger, and to not give rise to new feelings of fullness or discomfort. Because it's possible to get so full that it's just uncomfortable when one feels drunk on the food. One method to help with this is that when we eat, before we feel full, about five spoonfuls before we feel full, we stop eating right then and drink water. And drink a bit of water to fill the rest of the stomach. So we practice in this way. Some people have a problem with the habit of their eating, and this creates an obstacle in their life. For other people, the obstacle for them might be more with their lodging or their clothing or dressing up their body. They become worried about this and this becomes a burden all the same. Some people feel they may need to make their lodging neat and tidy and comfortable for their mind. This is up to the individual. Be mindful of when it's an obstacle and contemplate the proper usage of these requisites. We also undertake the moral precepts, for instance, not to harm or kill the lives of others. We don't do it ourselves and we don't use others to do it either. We practice to not have the intention to harm or kill, whether through mind, speech, or body. This is an aspect of virtue. So we see the value in refraining. We see the drawbacks in engaging in such behavior. We see that having been born into this world, no one wants to be harmed or killed. So why would we hurt others? If we seek to hurt others, and this simply leads to uh, trouble and chaos in the world. So we have to acknowledge the rights of others, 
and try to help others to do that which is good and helpful. For instance, distributing wealth, giving donations, helping society. And we reflect that metta is the quality that supports the world. For instance, the United Nations helps all around the world wherever there's a problem. People have, might have a problem in various ways in undertaking their lives, like a war or a famine and so on. And the United Nations goes to help them, giving out food and requisites and necessary items. So we see the value in this kind of behavior and the drawbacks in its opposite. So we strive for the welfare of ourselves and others to do good, to have balance and completeness in the world. In the case of disease, then we seek to help people have medicine that they need for that disease, like a vaccine or other medicine or other ways to protect from that disease, to help reduce the burden on those that care for the sick. We seek to help our mother and father not to be a burden on them, to help society, to protect others. Because we see that humans need care and protection. For instance, in terms of sensuality, sensuality perpetuates the human race. And one of the results of sensuality is the birth of children. And having been born, the children need to be recorded in official documents. We see that some countries place a limit on the number of children that are allowed. And so we reflect on the loving kindness and compassion of the Lord Buddha. And we strive to develop our hearts in terms of wisdom. We see how we, how we eat, how we use our lodging. So you set your intention to have mindfulness, to have restraint. And for ourselves, we have the Dhamma. We have the Dhamma to protect and care for us. And in terms of karma, we seek to do skillful karma, to do that which is right. And then we get skillful fruits, wholesome fruits. Because if the cause is right, then the fruit is right as well. And this is true for unwholesome and wholesome karmas. So we cultivate that which is wholesome to get the fruit of that. So we gather together to practice the Dhamma and for myself, I'm not a Dhamma teacher, but I have my mother, father, a great teacher already, and we practice following him.
the great teacher, the Kubajan, invited me to come teach today. And so we gather together and I merely offer some advice and suggestions. Some advice and suggestions in terms of your practice. Because in life we all have our duty, we all have our role. For instance, a married couple, a wife and husband have their role to each other. For instance, caring for the house, caring for the material wealth, giving blessings on a birthday, giving strength of heart to the other in order to make it through life and deal with difficulties of being a human. So we have this chance to study the Dhamma. And we see that sometimes a married couple, their virtue is not even, or their views are not the same, or their faith is not the same. And this can make it difficult. So we can put in effort to make the views, the faith, and the virtue on the same level. And then we study Dhamma, we Anamodana together in our life, in our family. Because the husband and wife have their duties to each other. The father, mother, and child, or the father and mother to the child, and the child to the mother and father have their duties to one another. We try to speak in a way that gives strength of heart to the other. We try to speak well and think well. We see that agitation comes from greed and aversion. So we try to cultivate our minds to reduce these qualities of greed and aversion to have the correct intention when we speak, to contemplate when we eat food, because we see that any agitation arising is an obstacle in our minds. And we take care with medicine as well. For instance, uh, various sleep medicines, or tranquilizers, alcohol. If one takes too much of them, it can destroy our nervous system. And some medicines can help with digestion, but if we take too much, then this can be for our harm. So we try to use the right amount in order to not receive drawbacks. We eat food in order to give our body energy, not too much, not too little, but we try to eat the right amount. And we try to see if we're our behavior, we're doing it for the sake of more greed, aversion, and delusion. Because this is something we're used to, used to increasing uh, sensuality. In acting in this way, one is a slave of sensuality. So we practice to be free from this slavery, to take the Dhamma as our refuge, not to take craving as our refuge. And there's the story of Lady Wisaka, the foremost female lay disciple of the Buddha, or lay supporter. 
and she dressed up with uh, very expensive jewelry. And her intention was not to show off her wealth, but her intention was that her wealth came from following the Buddha's teachings, from following the Noble Eightfold Path, from having right view, belief in karma, and understanding how to have a proper livelihood, how to have right intention, not to harm, but to have virtue in the heart. and not to think in a vengeful way or a harmful way. And to put down the cause of suffering. Wherever an issue or a dispute arises, one puts it out right there. And so Lady Wisaka had the Noble Eightfold Path fully established in her heart. So her mind was set in the correct way. And so she had no need not to wear jewelry because her mind was set like this. And so whether it's a lodging, a position in society, a job or material wealth or jewelry or having a retinue and so on, all these types of gain or wealth one can reflect that they arise due to following the teachings of the fully self-awakened Buddha. We set our intention correctly. And if one is not able to set one's intention correctly, then don't do that activity. So the Padimokkha, the monastic discipline, is for the sake of restraining our six senses to care for our life, not to get lost in sensuality. Because in truth we have this in us already, so we practice to set our minds correctly. And we see that on this occasion we have invited the Dhamma into our house, into our place of living, and therefore we must prepare our house to receive the virtues of the Buddha, the virtues of the Dhamma, the virtues of the Noble Sangha, and the Devas as well, as well as all our Kalyanamittas, our spiritual friends. We've invited all of them into our house. So we have to prepare our house correctly. We practice the Dhamma according to our duty in order to be ready to receive the qualities of the Buddha. Because having invited the Buddha into our house, into our hearts, we have to prepare the ground. It's like resetting and then loading an app. And then in this case, the app are, is the qualities of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. The qualities of the Dhamma, the Noble Eightfold Path, the Four Noble Truth, all the 37 wings to awakening. We load them into our hearts to take them as our true refuge. So we've been born as humans and we've, meet, we've met with spiritual friends, with our great teacher, Krubhajan. We've met with wise people. 
we've been able to meet with the Buddha and the Dhamma. And so we do our best to study, to care for our faith. Because in this world we often meet with the unwise and in our hearts as well, we meet with the inner and outer fool. And the fool will lead us to destroy our faith. So we take care to act and behave in such ways that increase our faith. To follow the teachings of the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. And there was one story of a monk who asked himself, having been born, do I take my body, these five aggregates, as my refuge? And practicing in this way, it gave rise to fear because one would simply strive to gather medicine, food, lodging, and so on to take care of the body. So we see, well, what is this body really? And seeing and observing closely, one sees that the body is constantly changing. It changes ceaselessly. It's something that we can't trust. There's very, there's no essence to be found in it. So if we take that as a false refuge, then however much we seek or strive to find satisfaction in it, we won't reach the end of it. And therefore we see that we have to seek a way out. So I give my Anamodana rejoicing with you all. Whatever it is that's been said that's been useful, may you take it to use. And whatever it is that's not yet complete, then may you contemplate to develop it further. May you all be happy, may you all be well, may you grow in goodness. <laughs>